Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, Dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Hello, hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Dream Bigger podcast. So today's guest is Cameron Rogers, the brains behind Freckled Foodie. Her story is one that is kind of unlike others that I've had on here. She used to work on Wall Street and then had a terrible, terrible car accident, which left her with brain injuries. And, you know, from there, she found her passion and took it full time, which was Freckled Foodie, which was back then a food blog, which then turned into her stories around motherhood and mental health. And she has an insanely engaged audience. She's very, very real. She doesn't sugarcoat things. And I think it's a really, really interesting story. She also has a great podcast called Freckled Foodie and Friends. And I was actually on it and it was a great conversation. So, you know, I think we bounce around a lot. This podcast in particular talks about what it's like to make the transition from a very lucrative full-time job to working for yourself on a blog. And, you know, this is something that I think a lot of you are quite interested in, especially because working in social media or as a blogger can seem kind of daunting if you are leaving your full-time job. But, you know, Cameron takes us through her whole experience. And it really is a great conversation and also a great conversation around resilience. Because let me tell you from someone who like I I suffered from two minor brain injuries and it is really no joke to recover from that. And the fact that she had these very major brain injuries recovered from it and, you know, like is doing what she's doing. It is a story about resilience as well. So I hope that it inspires you and you learn a lot from it. So I'm excited to bring in this conversation. Before we dive in, this week's hot tip is the Rode Lip Gloss. Yes, you guys, this product is 100% worth the hype. I have it in actually all three of the variations that it comes in. The Rode team was very kind to, you know, 
stock me up on all their products, but I will be buying this product on my own 100%. It is so nourishing for the lips. I can't even tell you the flavored ones are amazing. I also like just the plain one and it is just hydrating. It's just overall great. So I highly recommend it. 100% worth the hype. Before we dive into the episode, I want to bring you this week's review, which comes to us from Francesca Charlotte 94. She says, SIF is a breath of fresh air in this space. I have a few different wellness podcasts on rotation, but few that I listen to as consistently as Dream Bigger. For me, the podcast host has to resonate just as much, if not more than the content and SIF delivers. She's intelligent, grounded, both aspirational and accessible. Her personality really comes through in her solo episodes. My favorite, highly recommend. This is like the nicest review ever. I'm so just touched and I can't I'm very touched that you think I am both intelligent and grounded. Thank you so much. Guys, if you are looking for an easy way to support the show, the the best thing that you can do is write me a review and rate the podcast. All you have to do is open up the Apple Podcast app, scroll to the bottom where it says rate and review the show. If you think I've deserved it, please leave me a five-star rating and leave me a review. Tell me what you're liking about the show, your favorite topics, guests you really want to see, and just anything else that you want to share. You guys sharing your reviews is so helpful for me as a host and also helps the show get out to more people. So, you know, if you do have a second, please take the time to do that. I am so, so appreciative. All right. With that, let's welcome Cameron Rogers to the Dream Bigger podcast. I have so many questions. Let's go. You used to work on Wall Street. Yes. Which is insane. (laughs) What was that like? I mean, it's like a really a past life. Honestly, like could not be more different than my life now. I Uh think about it very frequently, mainly in my nightmares. Like, (laughs) no, honestly, I have the most vivid anxiety dreams. Like if I'm really anxious, I have very specific dreams and it's either me on the trading floor with my team, literally talking about details of like specific deals that we once did. I don't know how I'm even remembering these facts and clients and client names. And it's like dealing with the deals and then also simultaneously trying to either quit and being nervous to quit because I've now come back and I have to quit again or them being like, you quit. What are you doing here? Like it is wild to me. And I wake up and I'm like, Oh, another dream about me working in my past life. But it was such an experience. I mean, like, yes, there were cons for my mental health, but overall such a wonderful experience that I think really shaped me as a person, but also like so much of my career now, I think is in thanks to that. It was a wonderful place to start. I was there for two years of an internship and then five years out of college. Wow. You were there for a while. It's not yeah. like you just got in and you were like, oh, can no. I have to go? Like, yeah, were, it was like my life. Yeah, wow, I was in wow. it. And I had an incredible career path ahead of me, quite honestly. Like I really think I could have, I was doing really well and I could have continued to do really well, but it just mentally was not good for me. I think like it, it played up a lot of my characteristics that are not my favorite. Mm-hmm. It's a good way to what put it. What were you doing? Sales and trading. Okay. I was at JP Morgan and I was selling municipal bonds to institutional clients. So were you, sorry, I, I know nothing no, about this world. So were you Laying like Wolf of Wall Street vibes? Okay. So no. <laughs> so technically our office isn't even on Wall Street. We're on Madison Avenue in Midtown, which okay. is like where all of the, mainly the financial institutions are now. Although now there's also a big group in like Tribeca, but I wasn't in like 
Wolf of Wall Street kind of gives the vibe of like all of the videos that you see of like the crazy people screaming, like with the numbers in the background is more on like the stock exchange. That's not where I was, but I was on a trading floor. So Wolf of Wall Street, I mean, technically was actually, I won't get into it, but yes, was like focused on like the SPG products with mortgages. I think that was a Leo movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yes, technically I was on like a trading floor like that, but the time era that Wolf of Wall Street was, was very different than like what the 80s, I experienced. Right? Yeah. So like things have changed in many ways and in some ways they haven't. So yes, partially part of that movie was very real for me to watch. And I was like, oh, wow. But what was like, was it like super stereotypically male dominated? Like, did you yeah. have any incidents <laughs> that were like, well, I'm clearly a woman. And oh my God. Like- yeah. Actually, I don't know if I've ever shared this with my community. Yes, it was incredibly Mm male-dominated. I had some wonderful female mentors and friends Mm -hmm. on my team, Mm -hmm. but as an industry, incredibly male-dominated. Specifically, the industry that I was in, municipal bonds, is a older kind of male-dominated. Like, each group has a different kind of stereotype, and ours was kind of like these, like, older men. There was one instance where I was at a client dinner or lunch, and we were at Bobby Vans, and most of these like lunches in the midtown steakhouses are finance lunches, aka many men. And I was at a table with my boss, a trader, a sales, another salesperson, and the client. And everyone was male. And everyone in the restaurant, pretty much 99% was male. And like, mm-hmm. yes, of course, I noticed, but like I was kind of used to it at that point. Mm-hmm. And this client turned to me and was like, wow, you're the only female in here. And I was like, yeah, unfortunately, kind of used to it in this industry, like kind of like brush it off, whatever. Like he was just observing. And he's like, I could auction you off. And I was like, excuse me? What? And he's like, I could auction you off in here. Oh, he said it a second time. Oh, he said it a second time. And I was like, so astonished. Also, I'm an associate. I'm young. This man is like 50 years old. One of my boss's clients. So like a Ah. And I just looked at him and I was like, you can't say that. And like my trader thought that he heard it, but wasn't sure, but then saw my reaction. And then he was like, you can't say that, dude. And like my trader had my back, whatever. It's a longer story than that, but that was what was said. And then I had another client, like I remember we were walking out of the building to go to another steakhouse. Everything's with steakhouse. Apparently, and in the afternoon, my God. It's wild, the stories I have of those. But I was on whole 30, like throwback to my orthorexic days. And I was like, yeah, I'll come, but like, I can't drink. And he's like, well, I don't hang out with you because you drink. I hang out with you because you're hot. And I'm like, you're a 45 year old male with children. And I'm at that time, 23. Oh God. And also like, you're a client. Like, what am I supposed to do? For me, it was more of like, look, were there tons of incredible, disgusting and inappropriate comments made to me? Yes, 100%. But were there also some people, female and male, who like had my back, wanted the best for me, were supportive, great mentors? Yes. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was a very interesting industry to work in. Not gonna lie. This episode is brought to you by Waterdrop, the new go-to hydration brand. You guys, do you know the temperature right now in LA as I record this? It is 
40 degrees Celsius. I'm not American, so I don't know what that means in Fahrenheit. So you're just going to have to figure it out. But basically, it's heat wave central, which is why I am such a psycho about my water consumption. And it isn't just LA, okay? It's the summer. It's hotter than hell in most places, and we all need to be drinking more water, not just to avoid getting a heat stroke, but also to ensure that our brains stay sharp and our digestive system keeps firing. That being said, I know that it can be really tough to drink water if you don't enjoy the taste or experience of it. I have so many friends who drink like one glass of water a day because they hate the taste of it. Enter Water Drop. They created these small and convenient effervescent cubes that add flavor and vitamins to your water, which are easy to use even on the go. They have a ton of flavors from berry and fruity to citrusy and herbal. The sky flavor is my favorite. It tastes like passion fruit, pink berry, and citrus fruit. I put it in some ice water and it is just chef's kiss. Water Drop is really committed to sustainability. The brand was started to encourage hydration, but without creating another quote unquote bottled or canned product. Their micro drinks use 98% less plastic than plastic bottles and are completely recyclable. To reduce single-use plastic bottles, they also offer glass and steel bottles in a ton of different designs. I'm currently using their steel bottle in this really nice, pretty shade of mint, and it keeps my water ice cold for up to 24 hours. Head to the Waterdrop website and use the code DREAMBIGGER for a special 15% discount. Browse their collection of micro drinks, glass and steel bottles, carafes, glasses, and more. Enjoy! This episode is brought to you by Babe Original for longer looking lashes in as little as six weeks. So today when I was applying mascara, my lashes literally went all the way up to my eyebrows. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's like the lash dream. They are so long, it is insane. And it's because I've been using the Babe Original Essential Serum for weeks now. My lashes were so short and so straight after years of lash extensions that I was really skeptical that a product would help them. I honestly wasn't sure that anything would help them, but I decided it wouldn't hurt to try a lash serum because I'd heard really good things about about it from a few friends and I saw before and after from someone I really trust and I was like, okay, you know, if it helped her, it could help me. Babe Original promises longer looking lashes in as little as six weeks and holy shit do they deliver. My lashes are the longest they have ever been. It is wild. I actually posted it before and after on Instagram a couple of days ago and people couldn't believe it. So what I did was every week I would take a picture and week over week the growth is so crazy. Like the length, it just looks unbelievable. I'm telling you this product is an absolute game changer. So like I said, Babe Original promises longer looking lashes in as little as six weeks and is so confident in their results that they have a 90 day satisfaction guarantee. Personally, I couldn't be more impressed. And this is really one of those products that I see myself using for the rest of my life. Use the code DREAMBIGGER at checkout to save 15% off your order. That's DREAMBIGGER at babeoriginal.com for 15% off your order. You and your long luscious lashes can thank me later. I'm Kat Sadler, and it sure is a beautiful day. After such a bleak year, it's time for some joy, and I cannot wait for you to hear my fresh and fun new show. I crack open about mom life, relationships, wellness, and beauty, all the things. Plus, I have provocative conversations with some of the most fascinating and famous faces in pop culture. I'm here to lift you up and make you think. Check out It Sure Is a Beautiful Day with me and you every Tuesday. It's just fascinating to me because I've only ever worked in 
female heavy industries. And so it's really interesting for me to chat with people who've like come from these like very male dominated backgrounds, because I cannot even imagine anyone uttering those words to me. Like, it's just like not even in my realm of like, yeah, what? like, I also think though, when I say like it played into a lot of my not great characteristics, like I can easily fit in a male dominated world. Yeah. Like I have a lot of male it like you know how everyone's like masculine oh, qualities masculine yeah. qualities thank you and as a athlete my entire life like and my interests like I can easily fit in that mm -hmm. arena mm -hmm. but I also think that it brings out things about myself that I don't love yeah and so like I fit in very well but I didn't love the person I was mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah it makes a lot of sense so I know you had an accident and I want to get into that. Yeah. Is that the reason you ultimately quit your job? Yeah. I mean, yes and no. I was working at JP and about two, three years out of college, which when we talked on my show, we were talking about digestive health mm -hmm. issues. Like, and I kind of hinted at this. I started struggling with SIBO, intense bloat, like could not get to the bottom of it. Oh. It got so bad that like I couldn't breathe at night and it was like horrendous. And I had never really had digestive health struggles. And I was seeing all these doctors, no one had the answers. And I was seeing naturopaths. And eventually they were like, try this elimination diet, which now is way more popular, the low FODMAP diet. Back then, like it was very rare for anyone to have heard of it. This was 2015, 2016. And I started then like cooking a lot of my food, meal prepping, getting into it. And I was someone who always loved food, but my family was never like, oh, let's cook this big dinner as a family. Like mm -hmm. we ate spaghetti out of Tupperware on our way to practice. Mm -hmm. I'm one of three girls. We all played sports. Like my mom was the queen of meal prep in a sense because we were always eating in her suburban. Yeah. So I never really like cooked in college. I ate at our dining halls and restaurants and it was a mix of these digestive health issues and my credit card bill being outlandish from all of like the delivery pickup of New York City. And I started cooking and I started feeling much better. I then like became a little too obsessive with it. But at this time, my friends were like, oh, what's the recipe? And I'm like, I don't know. I kind of made it up. And food porn accounts on Instagram were just becoming a thing. And honestly, I was like, well, maybe if I have an account, I can get like free meals at Lortuzzi, <sighs> which like That's doesn't happen, dream. but it was the dream. So I started this account drunk one night like not, I was like, I'm never going to tell anyone. Like it was such a secret. Only my little sister and my husband, then boyfriend knew. And it was completely separate from my life. Like it was never showing me. It was just food I was making, mm -hmm. recipes and like restaurant pictures and reviews. And eventually my friends found it. Like eventually I told them about it three months later. And then I told work, but it was such a like separate thing that it didn't matter. It yeah. was just this fun creative outlet for me because my job was so numbers, analytical, like fast paced, not that type of world. Mm -hmm. And the more I was doing with it, the more interested I became. Yeah. And the more I felt like, oh, there are really fun opportunities for me. And I never, ever dreamed that I'd be doing this full time ever. But I just kept feeling like there. every time there was a door that would open, there were 10 doors behind it. And I didn't have a spare second in the day to mm -hmm. open those other doors. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like, I was up at 4.30 to start my stuff so that I could do some freckled foodie stuff before I went to work, Yeah, come home, work all night. Like all weekend, I was meal prepping for my friends to get content. It, when I think back, I'm like, were you out of your goddamn mind? 
but you kind of have to. Yeah, I've been through it as well. Like I remember when I started my old blog, it's called Icing and Glitter. I started it when I was working at a magazine and this is exactly my life where like, you know, I was up at like 5 a.m., you know, like prepping my blog posts and the weekends were spent shooting. Like I don't like it's crazy. I think it preps you though. Like for me, I feel like all of that was prepped for like starting a ray because like you Probably have to fucking true. hustle so hard. But like I'm sure for you as well, like you're kind of juggling a lot of things as well. Like in your your mom, you know. Yeah, now um, yes. You have like your <laughs> podcast. You have a blog. You have a successful social media platform. So you yeah. know it it all amounts to something. Right. Exactly. And I feel like so I had kind of like toyed with this idea. Should I quit? Should I go do this? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I don't even know what I would do. Yeah. Like, it, yes, influencers existed, but I did not have a following that was like Sign- making yeah, money and yeah. significant for brands. So I had also done like online health coaching school while I was at JP mm-hmm. more just because I was interested in my own journey. I didn't think I was going to coach. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we talked about this in the episode on my show, like journaling, I was big journaling. I love going back and reading these journals because I'm writing as if I've quit and I'm like daydreaming about this life that I'm kind of now living, which is weird for me. It's kismic. But I basically had decided like, you know what, this is a side thing. It's fun. But like, I had this incredible career ahead of me. I was doing really, really well at JP. And also like, I mean, if we're being honest, the golden handcuffs, you make a lot of money. It's really hard to walk away from. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. It's really hard to walk away from. And my job was such a badge of honor for my ego. I loved telling people like when I met them, evidently I really liked the praise of adults. And it wasn't until the accident that I was like, wow, life is really short. Mm -hmm. I'm not happy here. Like I have this passion. I have the privilege and the ability to take this chance. I will never be this young again. I will never have less responsibility again in my life. Like why not take the chance and leave on good terms where like I could go back if I needed to. And I, after my accident, I was on disability for two months and I went back and I was like, this really changed the way I think about life. Like I want to take this chance. And yeah, that was May of 2018. Wow. That's actually quite recent. Yeah. It's not that long ago. It feels so long ago because like it feels so foreign to me. Yeah. But yeah. That's really not that long ago. So talk to me about your accident. What happened there? I was walking I was going to yoga like after work. The whole thing is weird to me because like I never worked out after work ever, mm-hmm. especially on a Friday night. Like, oh my God. but my friend who's an instructor, it was her first class at this new studio. And I was like, I'll go. It was just a crazy snowstorm. I was kind of like, why the hell am I doing this? But whatever. And I get off the L in Brooklyn and I'm walking to the studio to Sky Ting and I'm literally like catty corner. And there are many times in my life that I jaywalk, I cross when it's a stop sign, like I'm on my phone. This was literally not the case at all. I wasn't on my phone. I had the walk. I was on a walkway. I looked both ways, but it was dark. Brooklyn's not as well lit like the streets. And it was snowing pretty hard. I was in all black and I had like my Canada Goose hood up, like Mm -hmm. a jacket that I had to get rid of because I can't wear it anymore. But I remember like looking both ways and what happened was basically the car that was on the street parallel to where I was crossing had a green light, which would have been fine had he kept going straight, but he turned left and just like straight up did not see me. 
So he hit me while I was in the middle of the crosswalk. And honestly, what helped the cause, shockingly, is that I had my AirPods in. So I didn't hear like the car turn like as if it was going to hit me. So my body never tensed up, which is one of the, like, if you think about football quarterbacks, they're literally trained to not tense when someone's about to tackle them because that's when you get more injured. It's why like sometimes a passenger and he hit the side of my body because again, I didn't hear him. So I didn't turn towards the car. So in a weird way, that was like kind of a blessing for me. And I fell onto the car and then onto the floor, onto the street. Mm -hmm. And I suffered from a bad concussion. My body physically was fine, thankfully, like bruises and stuff, but like nothing was broken. But like you you got up right away or like were you unconscious? Like what happened? I just remember like being on the ground and looking up at headlights and being like, oh my God, and trying to get up because I thought he was going to like run me over. I wasn't sure what was happening. My headphones had flown out of my ear. So I remember like trying to find my AirPods on the street and he got out of the car. He was a very nice man. He got out of the car and was like, oh my God, like freaking out, obviously. And he was like, should we call 911? And again, I'm such like a people pleaser and like an I'm okay. I'm like, we don't have to. It's okay. I was like, oh God, this is going to ruin this guy's life. Also, I was like, I don't feel like paying for an ambulance. Mm -hmm. And I was in Brooklyn. I didn't know what hospital they were going to take me to. Quite honestly, I was like, I have a yoga class to get to. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how out of control, A, I was in life. But B, I was just so out of it. And I remember grabbing my phone and calling my husband. And the second he answered and I was like, I got hit by a car, I started hysterically crying. And then I think the guy was like, oh my God, like, are you okay? And I'm like, can you just walk me to the studio? So he walked me to the studio. And like, I remember sitting there with my friend, the instructor, just crying because at that point then I was like, my body feels sore, but like I'm starting to get these headaches and I had had concussions in the past. And I remember calling my mom who was freaking out. And so I was like, I think I should go to the hospital. I don't really want to just go to some random hospital here. Mm -hmm. So I took an Uber back to Manhattan and my husband met me at the hospital. And it was like, I mean, they were just like, you have a concussion. We did x-rays of my body. It was fine. And I remember thinking, they were like, do you want any, like, do you need anything written out like for work or anything? And I was like, no, it's fine. But I remember being like, sweet, I'm probably not going to have to go to work on Monday. Like, that's what I thought the extent of this was. Mm -hmm. And then the next morning I woke up and almost like forgot that it happened and turned on the lights and went into my kitchen. And all of a sudden I was like, I feel like I'm dying. And I called my doctor, my primary care doctor, and he was like, you need to get back to the hospital because I want to do an MRI to make sure that you don't have any bleeding. I didn't, but I then started a two-month really insane recovery period of my life that like now was so integral to the way I live my life now. Like so transformative. What was that spillover? Like what what did recovery look like? Because I mean, we were talking a little bit off air and like, I mean, I had a head injury last year and I actually did have two brain bleeds. It was, oh my God, it was really gnarly. But shockingly enough, I had no concussion. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And so they kept doing these psych exams on me and like, you know, taking me for CAT scans and Mm -hmm. MRIs. And I was fine. It's just like two bleeds. And it ended up being like quite minor. So like, I I know it, I, I, I don't know how, because like, I was literally on the ground, like my head was bleeding, right. like it was really fucked up. Like my husband is like, that's like the scared, most scared he's ever been. He thought I was I'm dead. sure. But yeah, it ended up being two bleeds. But like, can you explain to people what that process is like in terms of like recovery and what it's like? Yeah. Because it's like 
invisible and really fucking scary when you're going through it. Yes. And this is something for me that was really difficult this period of my life because, Mm -hmm. yes, it was a two-month I was on disability, which in and of itself was an entire process. Look, Mm -hmm. I I worked for one of, like, the largest corporations. Like, they... Some people were great, but like from a benefit standpoint, this proves like the invisibility of concussions. Mm. I like at one point my disability expired because they were like, well, you having headaches isn't like something we give disability for. I'm like, but it's a concussion. They're not just headaches. Like I have a concussion and we had to fight, 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 get my neurologist involved. Like it's such an invisible injury that is not given enough respect. For me, because it was my sixth one, it really like rocked me the most. And in the very beginning, it was debilitating migraines, not being able to like be in the light, not being able to be outside really. Like I remember trying to go for a walk for like five blocks and feeling like I was going to throw up and pass out. Like eventually I couldn't be on my phone. I couldn't read. I couldn't see the watch TV, couldn't be on my computer. Like, and this is why it was such a transformational period for my life because it was when I actually learned my meditation practice and like deepened my meditation practice. It's when I really started journaling like even more intensely because it was something I could do. It's when I really just like sat and reflected on my life and what I wanted my life to look like and what I was doing that I wanted to change and who I wanted to be. Eventually, when my immediate symptoms got better, I experienced probably a year or two plus of like lasting concussion symptoms where this was the really hard stage for me because it was then when I was back at work and then quit and was doing this full time that like I should have absolutely taken a time off. Like I should have focused on recovery, but instead I quit my job on a Friday and I was like full blown freckled foodie, let's go on a Monday. And that's unfortunately just my personality. But the lasting symptoms that were so difficult were like, I was at this time 27 mm-hmm. and I was engaged and it was like a peak time of my life living yeah. in the city yeah. and being at bars with loud noise, like looking, turning to my then fiance being like, I need to go home. I feel like I'm like having a panic attack. I can't hear anything in my head. I feel like I'm going to pass out. Like, and having such a hard time with that and like I couldn't drink and I I don't drink anymore right now for different reasons and I feel so empowered by that decision and I'm so grateful and happy and it's the best thing I've ever done. But then it was like this decision was made for me. Yeah, it's nothing you have control. And I didn't I have control. Can't. Yes, and it really killed me. Like it, it ate me up. I felt like formative, amazing years were taken from me. Now I would say I'm like, oh, pretty much fully recovered. Now I struggle with migraines every once in a while that I never had before the concussion. Mm -hmm. And like some memory and auditory processing that has always kind of been a problem for me, I think worsened. But again, it's like, it's not a clear linear like proof thing, which is why it's such a difficult invisible injury. Yeah. It's, it's really, really, really tough. And it's, it's interesting because it's like, what's wrong with me, you know? And like, I remember like going through it and I wasn't able to work. And I was like, I can't explain why I'm just so tired. And like, I can't look at my screen and like, I can't do anything. And like walking is tiring. So having a severe concussion, like I, like that's like a hundred times worse than what I had. And like what I had was like bad. It, yeah. I mean, it, it, was so formative and life-changing for me, but also so, so dark yeah, and difficult. But I mean, it, it like, it really did carve the path for who you are today. Yeah. 
So talk to me about quitting your job because I think a lot of people know that maybe their job isn't for them anymore, but they're like afraid to take that leap of faith. Mm -hmm. So do you have any like tangible tips there? Yeah. One, I think it's always important for me to say this. Like I do think somewhat of our generation has like glamorized this entrepreneur work for yourself. Definitely not. Yeah. Like fuck the system, like fuck corporate world. And like, while I agree with some parts of that argument, I also think that like the corporate world is a great place for many. There are many benefits that I think I overlooked while I was there. Like very simple, not simple, but important things like true benefits. Mm -hmm. I mean, maternity leave. Wow. Did I miss my corporate job when I got pregnant? Oh yeah. Steady income. Like every two weeks, you know, for the most part, what you're getting paid with a corporate job. So legitimately people are like, oh my God, that's such a hard job when I talk about my old job. And I'm like, I work so much fucking harder now. And this is when like, I feel like I get the least respect for my job. So I think that's really important of like the groundwork. I don't suggest that you decide you go try and find something to be your boss. It's like, is there something in you that feels you need to pursue? Mm -hmm. Then yes, if you're in a place to be able to pursue it, pursue it. Mm -hmm. But know that it's not going to be all like sunshine and daisies. For me, the tangible advice I can give is from a financial, financial standpoint, like save as much as you can before you quit. I was big on that. I didn't know what I was saving for. It was the advice of one of my traders. I was in an industry where bonuses were comparable eventually to our salary. And he was like, save it. Do not go out and be stupid with your money. I know you're young. Save your money. And I was like, you're crazy, but okay. Good advice. Thank God now. But also, I when I eventually decided I was going to try to leave, I looked at like, okay, what do I want to go do? How can I actually make money off of this? Like, what could that look like? Is it at all what I'm doing now? No, it's very different. I'm not saying that you have to stick to that, but you have to create some type of plan. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, if I can health coach this many times a week, if I can meal prep for this many clients a week, if I can get one sponsor post a month, like I laid it all all Mm -hmm. out to see what I could make per month. And then I looked at my financials in a sense of what am I spending per month? Mm -hmm. Like, is this at all enough to keep me above ground? And then how much money can I put into this business? Luckily, I mean, different opinions for what we each do, but Mm -hmm. I had no overhead cost. Mm -hmm. There was no ingredients. There was no materials. There was no factory. There was no leasing. Like it was just me. Mm -hmm. So it was really like keeping my head above water. So how much money can I invest potentially into this? And then how much money can I like live off of if I'm making no money? How long can that last me? And so for myself, I gave myself six months and there's so much fucking privilege there. I'm well aware of it. But I was like, look, I don't have a kid. I don't have other people to take care of. Like, let's take this chance. In six months, we'll reevaluate, which is not long at all, but still. And I left on good terms. And I think that's very important. Did I leave on good terms with my direct boss? I don't think I'd say that. But I left on good terms with my team and other people in the company where I knew that like, if this didn't work, there were people I could turn to. Mm -hmm. And I always am an advocate of not burning bridges because you never fucking know where you're going to end up or where that person is going to end up. And somehow if they have control over a decision that really impacts you, you want them saying positive things. So I think assessing your financials, assessing what you can make with this new thing, also like really sitting down and saying, what do I love about this career I'm in and what do I hate? And how does that apply 
to this new potential career you're trying to do? Mm Because I think that's a very interesting exercise. I I completely agree with you. And I think that there's actually like things that you can take from your like former career that you actually love and you're good at and apply it to whatever it is you go on to do. Yeah, absolutely. Very strategic. So I want to talk about Freckled Foodie because you started with like recipes, but now you're in a place where you share like this like very vulnerable part of yourself and you had like the what the fuck is happening to my body Mm -hmm. theories. So when did you start making that pivot? And like, when you did, did you notice a lot of negativity? Like what, what, what kind of happened? Yeah. So honestly, the pivot happened after I quit my job. Cause as I said, I really wanted to keep church and state separate mm-hmm. when I was in the corporate world, especially I was covering like pretty big older clients and I was young. Like I wanted them to respect me and I just didn't want my face on this platform. Mm-hmm. It was all food, maybe like a picture of me scattered in every 50 or something. Yes. And when I quit my job, I remember my little sister was like, the day you start talking to your phone on your stories, I'm shutting down your account. I'm like, I would never. Are you kidding? (laughs) I'm like, I would never do that. Look at me now. But it was when that was like just kind of started. Yeah, it was a different time. It was a different time. And it was like, oh my God, you're talking to your phone. Like, is that so funny to think it, about? Yeah, I, I I remember. I remember when stories came out and I was like, how can I just speak to my phone? Right. And like now I'm what like out here all day long. All day treating it like my therapy. So I was like, oh my God, I would never. But I started doing this thing. I think this was actually the main shift where I felt Like now that I was doing this full time, it was so different than what I had imagined and envisioned. And I was like, people aren't really sharing the reality of any of this. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm going to do unfiltered day. It'll be the first of every month. I won't use any filters on my stories. And I'll give you a real glimpse of like behind the scenes what I'm doing. And I'll do a QA and a and I'll answer as honestly as possible. I had maybe 5,000 people at that time. Mm -hmm. So I was like free sharing everything in my life because the the audience was smaller. Like it it didn't feel quite so daunting. Yes. It it was like still safe, you know? And I remember messaging like all of the influencers who I respected and loved, like asking them like, hey, I'm doing this new thing. It's the first of every month where you don't use filters. And this was in 20, end of 2018. We're in the middle of 2018. Uh And like no one really bought in. Fine. Totally understand. Like if I was in their shoes, I probably wouldn't have either. But I started doing this the first of every month. And I remember like, people really resonating with it. And I'd answer these questions that were about like mental health and anxiety and what I struggle with and what my day looks like and friendships and quitting my job. And I was like, wow, people are really resonating Mm -hmm. with this and messaging me. And I was very, I mean, I still am like overly active in my DMs. And I started to then like, I felt really connect with these people. And I thought that that's when I was growing more of an audience. And I noticed that like my lifestyle-ish content was resonating more with them Mm -hmm. because I'm a firm believer of like, if you show up as yourself on the internet, you are the only unique you. Like totally. You will find your community of people. It might take time. It might take more time than you expected, but you want people to be there for you. Like that's the reason why they should want to come to your page. Yeah. And- I just felt like the more people were messaging me being like, I started therapy today because of you or like more recently talking about postpartum depression and anxiety and medication, and all of these things like that to me personally means so much more than someone like making a recipe I made. And we can all have differing opinions on that. That's just how I feel. 
And you I was feel like, like it was your unique way of making yeah. an impact in the world. I get it. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. And it was then this mix of me and food and me and food. And I was like, well, the me content, the lifestyle content is performing much better. Like from an analytical standpoint, it's performing better. From a personal standpoint, it's easier for me. It's mm -hmm. more fun. I enjoy it more and I'm connecting more. So like, why not lean into that? Mm -hmm. And then when I became pregnant, simultaneously, I started to care less about food because mm -hmm. I was healing my relationship with food. And I was like, I don't really care. I'm not obsessive over what I eat. I'm not crazy about what I'm cooking. Like, mm -hmm. it's just, it is what it is. It's food. And I started to share more about pregnancy and my physical changes. And I personally did not enjoy being pregnant. And I very openly shared everything about it and the changes in my body and then delivery and postpartum. And now I feel... Like people ask me all the time, are you going to change your name? And I'm like, I don't know. It's such like a part of my business and it's just kind of like ultra ego and mm -hmm. community we've created. But yeah, my content is way more focused on lifestyle, parenting, mental health. So you talk about not having enjoyed your pregnancy. And honestly, I think it's so refreshing that you say that because <laughs> seriously, because I think like women going into this, like, yeah, like you, you hear about morning sickness, but at the end of the day, like, it's like almost this like pressure to feel like, oh, like oh this yeah. magical time in your life. And you're so connected to this little thing that you're growing in your body. Yeah. And like people have a I lot of opinions. Yeah. I can't imagine everyone feeling that way. So when you were going through this, did you feel like guilt of any sort? So for me, it's very interesting. I'm someone who struggles when reality does not meet my expectations. This has been historic. Like if you ask my husband what we fight about when we were like younger dating, it's because I like created these like stories, things, stories in my head of what was going to happen. And then when reality didn't meet it, even if reality was great, I'm like, but, but I thought, and he's like, well, where did you come up with that? Uh. Like, so this has been historic for me. And pregnancy is the perfect example of that. I was always like, my body craves being pregnant. I can't wait to be pregnant. Like I would say it to my friends. I wish I could smack myself like this young little girl being like, I can't wait to be pregnant. But I really did. I was like, no, I'm so excited. Really? And I was so excited to ever be pregnant. Like, honestly, I think it's- Be pregnant or have a child? No, though. be pregnant. No way. Yes. And like, I'm yes, have a child. Terrified. I was like always really excited to be a mom. And like, I always knew I wanted to be. But I honestly think it's from now and then when she's like using her belly, that really old movie that I love. She's using her belly as like a table for a bowl of, I forget if it's like ice cream or grapes. And literally, I think that's where it started for me. But I was always so excited. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, reality did not meet my expectations. A, I think it's a lot played into it. It was a surprise pregnancy. So I think it was kind of this like, whoa, my God, this just kind of happened. And oh, my God, I'm not ready. B, it was during COVID. So, oh, boy, like life was very different. Yeah. It was terrifying. People were not, so I didn't uncertain. have my like yeah. support system. I wasn't doing anything. Like it was very confusing. So much time to be in my own head. But C, like pregnancy is just really fucking hard. Mm -hmm. And personally, I hated the entire first trimester, like morning sickness is a lie. It is not just morning. It is all day. And Good. I understand, that, but, but some people don't experience this. And so when I share this, like I get one of two reactions. I get one reaction that's like, thank you so much for talking about this. Honestly, this gives me either like insight into what I'm potentially going to experience. And it feels less like a mystery or like, thank you so much for sharing about this because I felt the same way and not enough people talk about it. Or I get this reaction of like, shut up, stop complaining. 
you're so lucky to have gotten pregnant or that's not how it was for me or you're scaring people. Like, see, this is what I struggle with, right? Because someone can always, if they don't like your content, just leave. Just like if you don't agree with it, that wasn't your experience. You don't want to get scared. Just like you you don't have to consume scary content, right? And like, like you're actively choosing to consume this. Yeah. That's what blows my mind. It's just, it's so weird to me. Like you're scaring people. If people are scared, they just won't follow you. Right. You know, like it's, it's absolutely weird. And so, yeah. And also I really do believe that like there should be information out there for everyone. We should know more of this. And I have like a very specific thought. So I just got breast reduction surgery. Okay. okay? I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's just like, in March. Yeah. And up until the point that I got it, literally every story I heard was like, this is terrifying. It, you're going to get scarred. It's going to be really? recovery is horrible. Yeah. This is what I kept seeing, hearing, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was like, like weird, like Reddit, like it, there was no information out there on social media that I could find. I had to like go into the depths of YouTube to find like one or two resources of like women who'd had like a good experience. And so Mm -hmm. when I decided to get breast reduction surgery, I documented the whole thing. Okay. The whole thing, like every, everything that was happening to recovery. And like, for me, by the way, it was a great experience. Right. But had people only had access to like just the hard ones, they would just get scared. And that's what had happened to me. Right. So I feel like it's really important to have access to like all stories. Everything. Also, everyone's experience is so different. Exactly. And you just feel less alone no matter what your experience is, right? Yep. So like pregnancy, it's it's a crazy time. I can only imagine. I don't have kids, but like that's fucking scary. And like say all you're yeah. seeing are these like glamorous like moms who moms to be who are like glowing and, you know, everything's perfect. And then you're there, you know, sweaty and vomity. Okay. Like, and you've not seen any of it because it doesn't exist on the internet. (laughs) And that's what you said when you were like, did you feel guilty? So I didn't feel, I vividly remember, like, I honestly felt like there was a parasite. Like, I didn't feel connected to my child. I just remember being like, this thing is killing. Like, this is miserable. I do not like this. One of my friends said the same, like, as you're saying this, because I I just met her baby and she's like, Sif, like, I know that you're supposed to, like, love your baby and have this, like, bond, but I hated that thing inside of me. So much. And she's like, now now he's, like, six months old and she's like, he's finally fun. (laughs) Oh, totally. (laughs) But I remember when we found out the sex, I was like, for the first time, I turned to my husband and I was like, I don't know if this is bad to say, but this, I said, like, this is the first time I've been excited again since taking that pregnancy test. Like this entire time, I've kind of dreaded this entire thing. And this just gave me a little glimmer of like, I'm excited. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those feelings went back and forth throughout the rest of the pregnancy. But there is this feeling of like, every time I share anything negative about being pregnant or, you know, I was set up to have this incredible postpartum experience when it comes to the financial privilege of being able to hire help if we wanted to. We didn't for the first like two-ish months, but also like I had a partner. I had a village to step in if I needed them. Like I had all these things set up, right? Mm -hmm. But I still struggled very seriously with postpartum depression. It was our hormones. It's like, it doesn't matter what's happening in your reality. You could have the best time ever. But like anytime I share about it, there is always... 50 people, more, hundreds being like, thank you so much for talking about this. Thank you so much for talking about this. This normalizes it. This was my experience. Like, thank you for giving us honest feedback. There are the people that are like, stop fucking complaining. Like, just be grateful. You signed up for this. Like, 
And that, those are the people that keep me sharing because I'm like, I know that if you're saying this to me, then someone else is hearing it by their friend. Or like someone who doesn't have a platform is trying to speak openly about it and their mother-in-law is like, oh, just be grateful. Like, and then they might stop talking about it and then they might not have someone to support them. Yeah. And so- it's Like it makes me eye roll so hard. Oh, because so I'm just hard. Like, this is like, it's ridiculous. It's, it's really, insane. really just ridiculous that like, yes, it's this like beautiful, miraculous thing that's happening. But at the same time, it can also suck, right? You can love your child so much. And this is, let me tell you, the entire pregnancy and motherhood, what I have learned is that two conflicting emotions can coexist at once. I can love my child more than anything. I would do anything for this kid. And also there are days where I just don't want a mom. It's never ending. It's exhausting. It's all consuming. It is terrifying. It's, it's a lot of things. Like those two things can exist at once. Well, just because you love something doesn't mean that it's not a hard thing to do, you know? And like yeah. on, a, on a much more micro and less significant scale, I feel like that about my business as well. Well, right? it's like, like I said, like it's kind of, it is a baby of yours. Yeah. And like, yes, I love what I do, but doesn't mean that on like certain days, I don't fantasize about like going away and like never yeah. coming back, you know? Yeah. Like, you, you have no, those I fantasies. fantasize about what I fantasize about now is 48 hours in a hotel room with no phone and no one knows where I am. <laughs> Just 48 hours in a hotel bed with a television and room service. Like that right there is orgasmic, let me tell you. Oh my God, that is so funny. Uh, so something else you've been like very real about is like body stuff, mm -hmm. you know? And like, I think you've grown to like love your body and like, I guess beat any, like not constantly beat, but like learn to like yeah. counter those negative thoughts that you have. So like any tips you have for people going through that and what was your journey like there? Yeah. So I always, with anything body image, want off the bat to say that like I do hold thin privilege. I have always been thin. Like that is very important. I think if I were someone hearing someone in my body speak about this, like I'd kind of like eye roll a bit just to be totally honest. Mm -hmm. And I do think that this is a talking point that should be focused coming from voices of larger bodied, specifically mm -hmm. people of color. My experience is that I never struggled with body image when I was younger. Again, I was just a thin girl. Like social media wasn't really around. I was in sports my whole life. So like I never had to worry about what I was doing to exercise. I just showed up to practice. Post-college was when I started to become a little obsessed because I turned to it as something to control because my anxiety was so high. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the joke being that, like, it completely controlled me. I had no yeah. control over the situation. But I definitely became obsessed with what I was eating and how I was exercising and what I looked like. And this was when I was, like, weighing myself every morning at the gym because I saw all these other people doing it. And I was like, oh, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? A lot of it honestly came from confusion over how to exercise and behave as a non-athlete anymore mm -hmm. because I played sports up through at a D1 level. Like, it was my life. And I just felt lost without it. And so I turned to the one thing I knew how to do, which is run. And I'm a numbers person and I'm competitive with myself. So it was like I had to do X amount of miles at X amount of pace or it was a quote unquote waste, which like going back to my accident, that completely reconfigured how I think about exercise and movement. But for me, I was so critical of myself, mm -hmm. hypercritical of my body. I remember like 
looking at myself in the mirror naked in the morning and like that literally determined how my day was going to be, whether I was bloated or not. Like so sad, but I think a lot of specifically females have experienced. And the inner work for me that really helped, I will say the number one thing was speaking to myself in the mirror. Like I envision quite literally all of these negative bitchy things that my voice would say as like a devil on my one shoulder. And anytime I would hear myself say something, whether it was I saw a photo of myself or I was looking at myself in the mirror or I passed by a window with a reflection, anytime I heard that voice, I would stop what I was doing. If I was alone or if I was with my husband like or family members, I felt comfortable doing in front of them. If I was in public, I'd say in my head, I would literally look at myself in the mirror and like take my stomach, for instance, that was the area that I was always hyper fixated on. If I heard myself critiquing it, I would stand in the mirror and practice gratitude towards my body. And Mm -hmm. I would be like, thank you, tummy, for allowing me to eat all this food and turning into poop. Like how fucking cool is that? Thank you, tummy, for one day carrying my child. Thank you, tummy, for holding like majority of my organs, like quite literally affirming parts of our body and practicing gratitude for what they do. And another example I use is, you know, people love to critique their legs. Like, thank you legs for getting me out of bed and allowing me to get to X, Y, Z place. Thank you legs for allowing me to dance all night with my best friends and have so much fun. Like our bodies are so incredible and they do so much for us. And we completely take it for granted. And the accident shifted that for me because I missed doing the very simple things. And I promised myself from that day on that I would never take my body for granted. The fact that I wake up every day, the fact that I'm able to get out of bed, the fact that I'm able to get from one place to another, like truly having a body that is able to do all of these things is remarkable. And we spend so much of our time critiquing our bodies for what? Because they don't look like a fake fucking image we're seeing on social media. Like, yeah, we should be so grateful. I'm totally with you. And I think going through an injury... Like changes any, everything. So, like it really does change your entire perception of things because I, at, at that point, I think you have this like newfound respect and like you, it's like at the end of the day, like who cares what you look like? Who the hell you cares? Know? Like you can walk, you can get places, you can like, it, it's, it's, it's incredible what our bodies mm-hmm. can do if we just think about it. Right. And like, I think that having an injury, it's really interesting. I feel like you know, sometimes like these like unfortunate and I'm quoting it, unfortunate things happen to different people. Like, you know, like your accident, I've had an accident mm-hmm. and it's almost like I needed to learn something from it. Absolutely. You know, and I, I really do think that like sometimes these things happen to you and it really is about like how you are able to like take it in and mm-hmm. like what you do with it afterwards. Yeah. And like, you know, for you, it maybe helped kind of heal your relationship with your body and like how you were approaching food and movement and all of those things, which is probably something you needed, you know? Yeah. And I hate the like, oh, it happened for a reason. You didn't say that. But I think that like the greater concept is shitty shit happens. And how are you going to react? You decide how you're going to react. Yeah, exactly. It's, It's not about like random thing happened to me, but it's like, okay, like we are all put into like all kinds of situations, but like, what do we take away from that? How are we reacting to it? How does it help make us a better person? Because I think that when unfortunate things happen, you can either take it and like learn from it and like try to like find like 
a better version of you that yeah. comes out of it or you can like wallow and like just live in that forever you Completely. know so that's that's like that's really the thing that like we all go through garbage and yeah. like it's like how do you come out of it a stronger better person and like you have like an appreciation for your body that you probably mm -hmm. didn't before this happened absolutely and i mean pregnancy is another example for like sure. i have never in my life felt more confident in my body and its ability more grateful like i honestly grew a man of human literally like thing you, you should have seen me after he came out of my vagina i looked at joe and i was like i'm a fucking superhero you are like are you kidding and he was looking at me just in complete awe like you can do anything and that experience and look i'm not even saying giving vaginal birth c-section however you bring a life into this world but you grew you something grew something like you literally grew that has been the most incredible experience for me in practicing gratitude and appreciation for my body because i'm like i can't be fucked with like it it just changed my confidence and look, many people struggle with postpartum body image. It's confusing. Your body is changing so much. Some changes never go back. Like there's a lot going on in a short amount of time if you really think about it, even though it feels forever. But no matter what you look like on the other side, you're fucking badass. And like that changed everything for me to the point where like I never thought I would be the happiest with my body that I am now. And my body has changed in ways that I didn't ever expect it to, honestly, because I kind of like leaned back a little and I wasn't so obsessive. And mm -hmm. I'm just like living my life. I love that. Okay. So I like to end the show with a rapid fire. Ooh, okay. Yay. So first question, what is a habit that's a non-negotiable for you? Meditating and journaling. Okay. Well and a morning poop. Like it's a it's a game changer for me yeah, it must it, happen it, i i agree with you I, yeah. that, that is really a <laughs> non-negotiable for sure what's one thing you wish your younger self had known when you'd started off as a content creator oh gosh i would say to like put the blinders on and not focus on what other people are doing because people are coming to your page for you and the content that you do based on what you think you should be doing or what you're seeing other people doing is not what's going to make the difference. Love that. And since this is the Dream Bigger podcast, what is your current big dream? Currently, I mean, my listeners know this, like my end all be all goal is that Dax Shepard will come on my podcast. And like, I know it's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, he's coming on. We just need to yeah. figure out a date. Oh, I've gone so extensive. Like, you have no idea the shit I've done, but he will be on. Okay, so, well, we're yeah. it's it's out there. Dax Shepard, I hope you listen. Dax, I hope you listen to this. Yeah, <laughs> we got to get you on. Yes, her podcast. Thank you so much for being here. This has been so fun. Thank you. I'm so happy to have made a new friend. Thank I you. Know. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow, so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif Hyder. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people. Learn and unlearn and have a lot of fun. See you next week.
please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.